Hey folks, Andy Patton here talking all things Drew Timmy in today's show. That is right, it is Timmy time. We are going to look at his season overall, review the best and worst case scenarios from October, and talk about his decision to declare for the NBA draft, what that means for him, and what that means for the Zags. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make this podcast your first listen of the day as we are into mid-April, farther and farther away from the end of the Gonzaga basketball season, but still in the midst of the Gonzaga baseball season and, of course, the NBA draft season. also want to thank all of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. We are getting close to 600 subscribers on YouTube, blew past 500, continuing to grow. Check out the channel and see why people are flocking to Locked On Zags if you have not done so already. All right, today is Timmy Day or Timmy Time. We are talking all things Drew Timmy in our season in review episode. Figured we would wait until he made some kind of announcement. We're going to talk about what that announcement means for the Zags and for Drew Timmy more in the third segment. But here I really just want to talk about the season that Drew Timmy had and really, in a sense, the career that Drew Timmy has had so far in a Gonzaga uniform. He committed to Gonzaga way back in November of 2018 out of Richardson, Texas. He was a top 50 recruit by basically every service. I'm not going to pretend that a lot of people thought he was going to be a National Player of the Year candidate. The way that he has developed at Gonzaga has been incredible. Uh, But he was a highly touted recruit coming out of Texas. He played behind Philip Petrusev. As a freshman, his freshman year was very, very good. He averaged about 10 and 5 off the bench. Uh, it was pretty clear that he deserved to be playing that many minutes or potentially more minutes, even though Philip Petrusev was very, very good that year. Drew Timmy was one of the best backup bigs in the country. I remember Dick Vitale getting very excited about the future for Drew Timmy. He was, as he usually is, correct about that because everybody was starting to get geeked about what Drew Timmy was going to do as a sophomore. He did not disappoint. I had in my notes from the, the previous episode back in October that he grew a mustache and kicked everyone's ass, which was still a true sentiment for him as a sophomore, average 19 and 7, with about two and a half assists per game shot, 65% from the field. Uh, it was a remarkable, remarkable sophomore season for Drew Timmy, and we hoped for more Coming into his junior year, obviously the addition of Chet Holmgren was going to alter Drew Timmy's role a little bit, but the expectation coming into the year was that he was still going to be the primary scorer, the, the offense was still going to run through him, and he was still going to do, you know, the team was kind of going to live and die with how he did. And that generally ended up being true. I think there was, there's a bit of a sentiment out there that Drew Timmy struggled more this year, and some of the numbers bear that out a little bit, but at the end of the day, last year he averaged 19 points and 7 rebounds, this year he averaged 18.5 points and 6 rebounds. Not not a lot of difference there. He actually averaged more assists per game, which we'll talk about a little bit in the second segment, Uh, but he was less efficient from the field. This was something that that it showed up early in the year. It kind of went away a little bit in conference play, but ultimately towards the end of conference play and even into the tournament, he he missed more shots that he he didn't miss last year. Last year, he shot 65% from the field and just under 68% 
on two-pointers, which to be clear, repeating that was going to be really difficult. That is elite territory. He still shot 60.9% on two-pointers this season. 61% on shots inside the three-point line is remarkable, but it's also a 6% drop for Drew Timmy from last year. Likewise, his field goal percentage went from 65.5% as a sophomore to 58.6%. Sounds like a bad drop, 7% drop, but 59% from the field is still very, very, very good. Uh, Drew Timmy, once again, was really good for the Zags in big games. This is something that he had kind of developed a reputation for last year. He showed up particularly in the NCAA tournament, but also in some of their big non-conference games this year. Same situation, perhaps his most notable performance, at least non-NCAA tournament notable performance, was the second game of the season against Chris Beard's Longhorns at Texas. They were this no-middle defense that everybody was kind of worried would would really frustrate or flummox the Zags and what they tried to do offensively. I'm not sure what happened that game. Chris Beard was adjusting to a very new team with a lot of new transfers, uh, but they were completely out of sorts defensively, and Drew Timmy cooked them, absolutely cooked them. 37 points on 15 of 19 shooting from the field. It was a jaw-dropping performance from Drew Timmy. He was completely unstoppable from the tip. Texas never made the requisite adjustments to stop him. Even if they tried, I'm not sure that it would have worked. A remarkable game from him. He had 18-8 and versus UCLA, 17-5-5 and against Duke. Heck, he had 23-10 and against Alabama. That was really a, a bad game for everybody in a Gonzaga uniform, uh, notably Coach Mark Few, who I thought did not do the substitution patterns very well in that contest, but Drew Timmy kept them in that game. 23-10. and 10. Now, he was 3-8 from, from the free throw line in that game. I know a lot of people will remember that he was getting fouled a lot early in the game and was not converting from the free throw line, which was a pattern we unfortunately saw develop later in the season as well, but he still kept that team in that game. And then he put the Zags on his back in the NCAA tournament. I was at the first two round games. I obviously watched the Arkansas game, and it still caught my eye how good Drew Timmy was in those three games. 32 points and 13 rebounds against Georgia State. 25 points and 14 rebounds against Memphis. 25 and 7 against the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Finished the three-game NCAA tournament for the Zags, averaging 27.3 points, 11.3 rebounds, three assists per game. He shot 57% from the field, which is about in line with his season average. But he shot 58.6% from the free throw line, which was a huge issue for the entire Gonzaga team in the NCAA tournament and obviously a notable struggle for Drew Timmy as well. Uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention his game against Memphis. Uh, The Texas game was his best individual performance of the season statistically, but what he did in that Memphis game in the first four minutes of the second half is a stretch of Gonzaga basketball that I will never, ever forget. For this season, there are a couple that I will never forget. I will never forget Chet Holmgren's 98 seconds of pure dominance against San Diego in the regular season. And I will never, ever forget Drew Timmy's first four minutes of the second half against Memphis where he just went to work. 11 points in that stretch, did not miss a shot, completely re-energized the building. People were feeling real down after a bad first half against a good Memphis team. And Drew Timmy single-handedly brought them back in that second half, got erased Memphis's lead. They played the best half of their season, and Drew Timmy erased it in a four-minute period in the second half. They, of course, went on to win that game. It was a, a staggering performance from Drew Timmy, the kind of thing that... It may be hard to 
feel super excited about it in this moment because of how the season ended for the Zags and because some of the struggles that they endured were because of Drew Timmy and his struggles at the free throw line. But years from now, when we think about that game, I hope we remember how absolutely awesome Drew Timmy was because it was a, a really, really incredible performance. Season ended after the Arkansas game, of course, and Drew Timmy did declare for the NBA draft. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the third segment. But before we get there, in the second segment, I want to talk about the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for Drew Timmy in October of 2021, what I thought would his season would look like. We're going to look back, go back in the time machine, look back at what I said at that time and how it ended up going during the season. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking all things Drew Timmy. Here in segment two, we're looking at the best case and worst case scenarios that were laid out by me in the eighth episode that I did of the Locked On Zags podcast way back in October of 2021. So I'm just going to read what I listed as the best and worst case scenarios for Timmy, and we're going to talk about how it ended up going. The best case scenario for Drew Timmy, according to Andy, in October was he's the National Player of the Year, he wins every single positional award, and he is unanimously the best player in college basketball. Well, not quite. We didn't quite get there. He was the WCC Player of the Year. He was a consensus All-American. He was not universally considered the best player in college basketball. He was generally considered a top 10 by many media outlets, a top five player in college basketball this year. But there was a lot of phenomenal performances from players like Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis and Oscar Shubway. Lots of very, very talented players this season. I'm forgetting many, so I apologize to them. Uh, But Drew Timmy was in that conversation, which is still an incredible accomplishment for him. But he did not run the table as the National Player of the Year favorite throughout the season, which was admittedly a very tall ask for him to do, but still a great season. Uh, Next up, he remains a dominant scorer in the paint and pushes 70% on two-pointers. We already talked about this. His two-point percentage actually did drop from about 68% to just under 61%. He just missed more bunnies. There was a couple games in particular where teams really, really pushed, put a lot of pressure on him, really made him take contested shots. We saw him have some some uncharacteristically bad shooting nights against St. Mary's. He had a bad shooting night against San Francisco. These things happen. You know, he, he usually was able to rebound often in the second half of said games. Uh, sometimes it would take him a full game before he really kind of found his groove again. But, but just a couple games like that is the difference between shooting 68% on twos and 61% from that range. 
Next up in the best case scenarios for Drew Timmy, he shows range away from the hoop, not just threes, but mid-range as well. So his mid-range game did improve this year. This is more anecdotal than anything, but we saw some more of the some, some fadeaways, some spins away from the basket, some kind of Dirk Nowitzki-esque stuff, and he looked pretty good at it. He looked pretty smooth. He's always had extraordinary footwork, the best that I have ever seen in a, in a college uniform, especially in a Gonzaga uniform. But we didn't see a ton of the mid-range game, but I think it's... You can see glimpses of it. You can see that it's there. The three-point percentage just didn't change. He shot 28.6% as a sophomore. He shot 28.6% as a junior. He took a few more shots, which was the next thing on this list, is that his three-point shot may not fit into the offense, but the best-case scenario is that he knocks them down when he does take them. Yeah, so what really happened here, the best-case scenario, I guess, was that he just didn't really take a whole lot more. He, he attempted 0.73s per game as a sophomore. He attempted 0.93s per game as a junior. So it just didn't really change. He, he shot the same, he made the same percentage of threes, again, under 30%, uh, and he didn't really incorporate that more into his game. We'd heard, you know, throughout the offseason that he was working on his threes. He was taking a couple hundred of them per game. I believe him, and I believe that his ability to shoot threes is probably not being accurately represented by what he has done in games. We've seen this with a lot of Gonzaga bigs as they go into the NBA. Rui Hachimura was a great three-point shooter this season. Uh, We've seen DeMontis Sabonis be inconsistent, but occasionally be a good three-point shooter in the NBA. Kelly Olenek was a good three-point shooter at Gonzaga. He became a very good three-point shooter in the NBA. So it's not uncommon to see that kind of change as the, the league kind of changes some of these players a little bit. But this has not been a part of Drew Timmy's game in any of his first three seasons uh, at Gonzaga. Uh, Next up in the best case scenario is he fits well with Chet and his passing ability makes him versatile and allows him to play away from the rim. This absolutely happened. Drew Timmy, he went from 2.3 assists to 2.8 assists, which is not a huge jump necessarily, but we saw some games where he was a bit more deferential, either because Chet had some great mismatches or just because the guards were playing well or whatever it may be, where he approached six, seven, eight assists in a game. He was being more of a facilitator, less of a ball dominant, low post scorer, doing a little bit more around, you know, away from the rim, dribble handoffs, uh, playing the high part of the high-low offense, getting the ball down to Chet Holmgren. We saw him do more of that, and I think those things opened up his bag a little bit, show that he's capable of being more than just a low post scorer, uh, which is important not just for Gonzaga and their offense last season, but it's important for him as a potential professional basketball player as well. Next up, he makes massive improvements defensively around the rim and on the perimeter. He shows more rim-protecting ability when Chet Holmgren's not in the game, and he can defend the pick-and-roll with better lateral movement. So, didn't see a lot of improvement here. We did see some. Drew Timmy's defensive rating improved by about a point per 100 possessions, which is not a huge number, but it does point to him being slightly better. Anecdotally and just eye test-wise, he looked better defensively. I think Chet Holmgren helps make everybody look a little bit better defensively, so I'm not sure how much of that is a bit of a mirage for Drew Timmy. Uh, I thought his rim protection was adequate. He's not going to be a rim protector in the NBA. That's just not, that's not his game. That's not his style. That's not what he is what he excels at, but I think he's adequate at it, and I think his his defense away from the rim did improve, but it's still not an area of strength. And then the last thing in the best case scenario is that there's no doubt he is an NBA draft pick, and he maybe even sneaks into the first round conversation. We'll talk more about this in the third segment, but no, he's not there. He's not on a lot of draft boards at this point. Uh, I'm not sure that he'll sneak into that conversation, Uh, but we will see as the draft process continues to go on. 
Worst case scenarios for Drew Timmy, uh, I basically mentioned they're still pretty good. <laughs> I, I can't really imagine a ton of regression offensively, and that was true. Uh, he went from 19 and seven to 18 and seven, basically 18 and a half. 0.7 if we want to be more precise. Uh, the field goal percentage did drop, so there was some regression offensively. But again, he was still one of the most efficient offensive players in the entire country, was still in the running for player of the year. So not a lot of regression in that area. Uh, worst case scenario for Drew Timmy is there's no outside shot. He takes more and doesn't knock them down. So again, he did technically take a little bit more in terms of three-point attempts, and he had the same percentage of making them. I, this wasn't a big problem for the Zags. There was a couple games where we kind of shook our head at like, oh, Drew, why are you taking that shot? But nothing that was really dramatic. You know, there, there was some fear that I know I had and that a few other people may have had where when he was taking all these threes in the offseason, like, oh, God, is he going to come out and try to shoot like three or four threes per game and just like completely derail Gonzaga's offense? Of course not. He's a coachable kid. He ultimately, his main goal was for this team to win. So if he was not asked to do that, he didn't do that. And that's kind of what we saw, fortunately, for the Zags. And then he doesn't improve or he even regresses as a free throw shooter. Yeah, this was a bad one. This was unfortunate. He was a just under 70% free throw shooter as a sophomore. That dropped to 67.8% as a junior. A pretty small difference, but one way that teams try to assess a player's ability to be projectable as an outside shooter is how they do at the free throw line. And Drew Timmy being worse at the free throw line and being below average for his entire career at the free throw line is not going to... 69% is not awful. It's not good, but it's not awful. But it doesn't project somebody who they think is going to be a knockdown outside shooter at the next level. And I think that's a reasonable assessment for Drew Timmy. Next up, worst case scenarios is sharing the court with Chet is difficult. Uh, they can't really play well together because they both... They're in each other's way. No, this did not happen. Uh, credit to both of them for, for figuring out how to make this work to adjust. Uh, both of them at times played away from the rim. Both of them at times played well underneath the basket. Uh, they seamlessly uh, intertwined with each other on the basketball court, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Next up, defense is the biggest potential worst case for Drew Timmy. If he doesn't improve on that hand, he needs to improve as a rim protector. His perimeter defense is crucial for him, uh, and it's going to make or break his future earnings and his ability to play in tough physical games. None of this changed all that much. I think he did improve slightly in every aspect. He improved slightly as a rim protector. He improved slightly as a perimeter defensive player. Um, but at the end of the day, he was still difficult to utilize. He, he, while he was great offensively, especially in the NCAA tournament, he was a liability on defense against certain teams. And at the end of the day, that is going to be the biggest thing that impacts his draft stock, which is what I want to talk to you all about in the third segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Rock Auto. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. 
amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking the big fella from Richardson, Texas, Drew Timmy here in the third segment. About a week ago, Drew Timmy declared officially for the NBA draft. This is something he has now done in two seasons after his sophomore year and after his junior year. Because the NCAA has changed the rules in recent years, you are allowed not only to declare for the NBA draft and then withdraw your consideration, but at this point, because of the new NIL rules, you can declare for the NBA draft, hire an NCAA-approved agent, and still make the decision to withdraw to return to school. For the record, and we're not going to get all the way into this today, I think this is a phenomenal decision by the NCAA. It makes so much sense to allow these players to fully explore their options, to talk to somebody who is hopefully going to give them good, sound advice and help them make these decisions. Because we've seen so many players make mistakes, whether they are declaring too early and they don't stick in the NBA and perhaps they would have had they stayed in college, whether they stay in college when maybe their best opportunity was to leave at that time. And I think having representation who is there to help them uh, and allowing them to make these decisions while actually going out and working out with teams and talking to scouts and talking to general managers and getting their honest feedback makes a ton of sense to me. And that is the route that Drew Timmy has taken. When he made his announcement, and I am not in the business of scouring every single post on Instagram or every single word that he used to necessarily make a determination out of that. That's not really my style, but Drew Timmy definitely didn't sound like somebody who is planning to return to Gonzaga. That was the takeaway that I got. Now, announcing you're declaring for the NBA draft and hiring an agent already is a pretty good indication that you're at least very seriously considering going to the NBA. Obviously, Drew Timmy should be considering that. His whole goal is to play professional basketball at the highest possible level. Why wouldn't you explore that as closely as possible? Now, he still has the option to return to school. The deadline to make that decision is June 13th. So there is potentially not a resolution here for a while for Drew Timmy. He has a long time between now and June 13th to dis- to change his mind, to return to school, to run it back for one more year. I don't think he's going to do that. I was previously a strong believer in Drew Timmy likely coming back for a fourth season. I had said that multiple times on this show. This has changed my opinion about that somewhat significantly. At this point, I think it's probably 15 to 20% chance that he returns to Gonzaga, 80-85% chance that he is gone. I do not necessarily believe that he will be drafted. Uh, There's only 58 picks in this year's NBA draft because two teams lost their second round picks due to tampering violations. I don't think Drew Timmy is one of the 58 players selected when the draft rolls around, assuming he has kept his name into the draft. I do think he will get signed. I think he will absolutely play in the summer league. I think there's a good chance he gets a two-way contract. He has a lot of similarities to former Iowa big man Luca Garza in a lot of ways. They were compared to each other when Timmy was a sophomore and Garza was in his final year at Iowa. Uh, They're still somewhat similar. Garza's a better outside shooter, which is a pretty significant difference between the two of them, but they are similar athletes. Garza is an NBA player. He did get drafted. He has played some minutes uh, for the Detroit Pistons this season. Uh, Again, the outside shooting is a big factor that Drew Timmy does not have. But Timmy's an elite low post scorer. Uh, He's 
6'11". He's a well-built kid. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's not, you know, an elite athlete for his size, but he's an adequate athlete. You can work on athleticism at some point as well. I think he has the ability to turn into a decent outside shooter. He's never going to be a 40% three-point shooter. That is ludicrous and probably not going to happen. But he could develop into a guy who at least you have to guard out there. You have to respect a little bit. Uh, so I think he could make it in the NBA. I think there's a lot of people who are saying he should return because he's not doesn't have a chance of playing in the NBA, which I don't necessarily understand that argument because if you don't believe that he has a chance to play in the NBA, what is returning to college gaining for him? It's gaining a lot for Gonzaga, but it's not necessarily gaining anything for him. And that's not to say that he there aren't reasons he should return to college. He can make money. NIL has changed to the point where he can make good money. I mean, he had he had sponsorships with T-Mobile. He had sponsorships with Dollar Shave Club. He had sponsorships with the casino in Spokane. So he, he was making real money. And if he came back, he would continue to make real money. Chance to compete for a championship, you know, all that stuff. You move up on Gonzaga's leaderboard. There's, there are legitimate reasons. But if he's not going to come back into a situation where he gets to take more three-point shots and improve defensively on the perimeter and do the stuff that's going to actually turn him into a a likely NBA draft pick, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to return to Gonzaga because the risk is also high. He could get hurt. He could not play as well and further damage his draft stock. And at the end of the day, he's just one year older. The window for how long he can be an elite, high-level basketball player is small. It's small for every human being who is over six foot ten because it's just hard to maintain elite levels of athleticism at that size. It's hard. NBA players all have a short shelf life. That's just the life of being a professional basketball player. So taking one more year away from that opportunity is risky. I'm almost always an advocate for players leaving early. I almost always have been, and I understand that for some Gonzaga fans that is not ideal because they're team over player, which I understand. I am too. I root for the team. I don't necessarily root for individual players, but I want all of them to have the best chance of success that they can. And for Drew Timmy, it makes a lot of sense for his for him to make the decision to leave, to if he has to go through the G League or through the European leagues in order to get to the NBA, then so be it. That might be the route that he ends up having to take. Uh, certainly, we've seen a lot of great Gonzaga big men who have not made it into the NBA. Uh, Shemek Karnowski is a notable example. Kai Wiltshire barely played uh, in the NBA. Uh, Phil Petrusev has yet to play in the NBA, although I think he probably will as soon as this upcoming season. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be happy for Drew Timmy regardless. It would be awesome. If he came back, don't get me wrong, it would be super awesome if Drew Timmy came back uh, and ran it back with the Zags one more time. But if he doesn't, which is the way that I'm leaning right now, he's going to have himself a successful basketball career, whether it's immediately in the NBA or not. Not playing in the NBA does not mean it was a lack of success. I want to be clear about that. If he plays in Europe and makes a lot of money in a high-level European league, that is success. If he plays in the G League, not a ton of money there necessarily, but if he plays well in the G League, gets a two-way contract, plays in a few NBA games a la Joel Iyayi, or parlays a two-way contract into a legitimate NBA contract the way that Killian Tilly has done, that's success. That is Capital S success for Drew Timmy. So we will see what ends up happening there. For the Zags, uh, it's unclear exactly what this means. Uh, If he does leave, the Zags need to find a big man in the portal. Uh, They have Anton Watson. They have Ben Gregg. They have Caden Perry. They have Braden Huff. Uh, That is a very, very inexperienced front court and a front court that, while I think that has the potential to be very good down the line, I'm not sure how good that front court would be next season. Uh, And they're lacking rim protection. They're lacking dominant low post scoring. 
Um, they're, they're lacking a lot, quite frankly. Anton Watson is a good defensive player, and he's an adequate low-post scorer. He's, he's an efficient low-post scorer, but he doesn't have an outside game, and he's not going to be the dominant low-post low post enforcer the way that Drew Timmy was. He's just not going to be that kind of player. Ben Gregg and Caden Perry both could develop into good players, but right now they're just not there. Yet, Caden Perry missing most of last season with an injury really devastated his ability to be ready to be an impact player as a sophomore. Ben Gregg is is slow to develop defensively, and it's, it's not something that he's he's very good at right now. Uh, and then Braden Huff is, is a true freshman, so we'll have to see what you know what he can contribute. But you know, we've talked about Dawes Amac a handful of times on this show, the Utah Valley transfer who was interested in Gonzaga, then was not interested in Gonzaga, and is now back <laughs> interested in Gonzaga. I think that Drew Timmy's decision quite likely had something to do with that. Uh, he would be a tremendous piece for the Zags to, p- to pick up and plop in right into a starting lineup alongside Watson uh, or potentially Gregor Perry if those guys... Uh, overtake Watson in the starting lineup. Uh, Johnny Broom from Moorhead State would be a huge piece as well. He has listed Gonzaga on his list right now. There's a ton of other transfers out there that the Zags are potentially interested in, and that's what we're going to talk about more on Thursday. In that next episode, we're going to talk some transfer stuff. We're going to talk about the Gonzaga baseball team. we got a lot of fun stuff coming your way. And then Friday, we're going to do one more of these very fun season interview episodes as we continue to plug our way through the entirety of the 21-22 roster for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. All of that coming up later this week right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags!